When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. This is The Current, presented by Brian Subaru, the official podcast of Tulane Athletics. This is the place to hear from the people who make the green wave roll each and every week. The Current is also brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana. For life's moments big and small, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is always there. The right card, the right kit. And by Children's Hospital of New Orleans, the health experts for kids. We are partying like it's 1998 here on The Current, the official podcast of Tulane Athletics. My name is Corey Glor, and Tulane football is coming off a long-desired win in Memphis this past Friday. 31-21 over the Tigers, snapping an eight-game losing streak at the Liberty Bowl. It was sweet, and we're talking about it here on the show. This week's lineup is brought to you by Helm Paint and Decorating, providing quality paint, paint supplies, and equipment for residential, commercial, and interior design jobs. We will catch up with head coach Willie Fritz. He'll break down the win over the Tigers and look to the key moment that helped turn the tide in that third quarter when Tulane found themselves down 11 and rallied back with 21 straight points to grab the win. Plus, getting ready for a sold-out homecoming game this Saturday against North Texas. We'll talk about that with Coach Fritz as well. And all the highlights from the win in Memphis and our exclusive post-game interviews is heard along the network with Makai Hughes, Darius Hodges, and Yul Keith Brown. Speaking of homecoming, we'll catch up with three guys who came back home to continue their college football careers where they grew up here in New Orleans. Lawrence Keyes, Tyler Grubbs, Patrick Jenkins all returned to NOLA and are making massive impacts both on and off the field. That conversation is coming up after this. 
Each day at Brian Subaru, our job is simple. We match up our Subaru customers with the Subaru they love. At Brian Subaru, we know all members of your family, including your beloved pets, have a say-so in the process. For a wonderful sales experience, come in to Brian Subaru. We consistently have great financing opportunities every month on all models in stock. Brian Subaru, 8305 Airline Drive in Metairie or briansubaru.com. Family, Subarus, and love. That's Brian Subaru. The best-kept secret on the North Shore is Mandeville Seafood. Become a part of the family and try our famous catfish platter or order one of our delicious po'boys with hush puppies and a cup of gumbo. Dine in or carry out. Mandeville Seafood can even cater your next crawfish boil. Fresh seafood, local culture since 1996. Order online at mandevilleseafoodmarket.com. There has never been a better time to be involved with Tulane Athletics. And if you're a local business owner in New Orleans, southeastern Louisiana, or coastal Mississippi, come be a part of all the action in Uptown. The team at Tulane Sports Properties brings your business to Green Wave Nation and brings the Tulane Green Wave to your business. From branding and sponsorships to contest and promotions and everything in between, there are so many ways to be in our number. To get in touch with Tulane Sports Properties, find us on the staff directory page at TulaneGreenWave.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Tulane SP. This summer, Coors Light wants you to retire, even if it's only temporary. Take a break from your 9 to 5 for 9 holes of golf. Trade those spreadsheets for a bingo card. Or swap your office chair for a water aerobics floaty. This summer, welcome to temporary retirement. Coors Light, made to chill. Copyright 2023, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. This segment of The Current is brought to you by Tulane Orthopedics. The leaders in orthopedic care in the Gulf South are ready to see you. Visit them online at orthotulane.com or give them a call at 504-988-0100. When I point at you, please state your name, your class, and what you do for Tulane football. Lawrence Keyes. I'm a senior and a wide receiver. Tyler Grubbs, uh, junior, play linebacker. Patrick Jenkins, I'm a senior, and I played even tackle here for Tulane. So this is homecoming week, and all three of you have a couple of common bonds here. You all are from here, and you all started elsewhere collegiately and have now returned home. See what I did there. I can be clever from time to time. Uh, so here you are, all three of you, uh, as part of this 2023 Tulane football team. Two of you were here last year. Uh, and you came back to where it all began for you guys. I'll just go around the room, and I'll start with you, Lawrence. When you were making the decision to, uh, to find a different place collegiately, what lured you back home? Uh, for me, mainly, um, it was um, uh, the trust factor. Um, especially with recruiting. Coach Fritz has been recruiting me since high school. Uh, probably was one of the first schools that contacted me before any other school that came, talked to me. And just knowing um, after I entered the portal, um, I knew I had uh, a relationship um, with Coach Fritz already. I knew what the program was like here at home. And um, I knew I can trust, put my trust in Coach Fritz and in him and um, the coaching staff. Um, just basically, you know, make my dreams come true and um, just bring me back home 
and be able to play football. Tyler, you came this year to back to New Orleans. What brought you back home? Um, so I really wanted to uh, – so I've been in college football. This is going to be my fourth year. And um, my freshman year, I went to a bowl game, didn't win. And the last two years, went 3-8. and eight. So I really wanted to find a place that wants to win. Not a place that won last year, but a place that's going to sustain winning and to join a program that everybody on the team is pulling one direction to win. And when I came here and met all the players and met all the coaches, like I felt that was their top priority was everybody wants to win. They want to win a championship again. They want to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Like Their attitude was to do better than last year, to have nothing less than last year. So when I came home and I was like, I want to win, and everybody feels the same way at Tulane. Like, why not choose here? I'm giggling here, Tyler, not because of your answer. It was an incredible answer, but because the man to your left, Patrick, is messing with my binoculars that I use during <laughs> games. Uh, he's sitting in my chair here for one of calling home games here. He's fascinated by being up here right now. Uh, Patrick, what brought you back home? So basically, like when I entered the transfer portal, I always had a relationship with Coach JJ and Coach Fritz. You know, they recruited me very hard. You know, I almost made a decision out of high school to come here. So you know, just knowing that I could come home and play in front of my family and just in a home state, so that was just the biggest decision for me. You know, and I knew it was a good program, even though they had a bad year. I just knew that we was going to do good the next year. I I already knew it. All right. So for someone who myself, who is in my third year living here. There is a, a common bond between you three, obviously. A lot of guys on this team have had similar routes to two-lane footballs, maybe started elsewhere and have come back home. What is it about this city that seems to bring people back? I'll open that up to all three of you, whomever would like to jump in on that, Ken. What is it about New Orleans, growing up here, playing football here, where it's just you, you got to come back? I mean, it's it's just a different ball game, uh, and I felt that you know going up north and coming back down south. I mean, the atmosphere is different, the fans are different, and I mean, it's it's more of a real game. And I'm not sure how to like really how to put that, but like it's more gritty down south. I can say that. Tyler, what is it about this place? Um. I think coming back home, the difference is like just the love that the city has for people that you know play for the city. Um, you know, you play for Tulane, you play for the Saints, you play for you know LSU, anybody in the local area. Like, you could be going to a restaurant that's near your house, you could be going to a restaurant near your school, you could be broken down on the side of the highway. If you're rocking Tulane, if you're rocking New Orleans, seem like somebody's out there is going to, you know, show respect to you, try to help you out any way they can and just show love to you. Like, you you know, they know that you give it, give to the city, they're going to give back to you. And it just shows how much love they have, you know, around the city. Patrick, I remember talking with your coach last year, and he brought you up as it was early on in the year. I think it might have been right before the year started last year in which he asked you, uh, how far does your family have to come to watch the game this week? And you said about 15 minutes. And he's like, that's right. And that's where the conversation ended. Yeah. Your family's here. They've been able to see you play here and seen the success that you've had here. What is it about New Orleans that is just that just hooks into you? It's just like the football culture, you know. 
football is a very big thing in the city. So it's like when Tulane winning, it's like the city is doing so much better. When the Saints winning, the city is just so much better. Like it's just a football culture. That's why I love it so much. You know, it's just different. So, Lawrence, Patrick, you were here for last year. You got to see and experience the, um, I guess, the insanity of what last year was and this city returning to this program. Tyler, you jump into this this year. I'm sure last year was a part of what lured you back here and wanted to be a part of it. And now there, there are similar feelings right now, halfway through this year, about what we saw last year. How would you boys characterize for the two of you that were here last year, the start of this season and the beginning of last season? Are there similarities? How different does it feel from 2022 to now halfway through 2023? To be honest, I was literally just talking about this, but it feels like the exact same way. <laughs> um, like I know like coming to like, I mean, last year we lost to, when we lost to Southern Miss, <clears throat> I mean, I remember, like, and just being in the locker room with the guys and just how, how positive everyone was. And coming back into this year uh, and going down uh, against Ole Miss, like, it was the same, like, literally the same thing. We got into the locker room, and everybody was just positive, positive, positive. We all came back together, and we come back out just firing. So, like, it feels the exact same way. You know, and, and what I, it's impressive that you say that because I remember talking to you, Tyler, after that Ole Miss game, uh, and you did media after that, and what you were saying after that game was pretty reminiscent of the things we were hearing last year after the Southern Miss loss. And you're new to this. You, were, you jumped into this. Um, where were you able to find uh, the – if folks don't remember what you were talking about after the Ole Miss game, we'll just look at what's happened since. Um, where were you able to find that sort of emotion, that sort of positivity after a difficult loss when you were one of the newcomers to this group? And it was only week two when you stepped up as, as a leader after a loss and, and said some of the things that you did about that there's something special brewing here. Yeah, no. So, I mean, like I said before, you know, I've been part of, two, three, and eight seasons, and I've heard some conversations in the locker room, and it's probably those conversations that led to seasons like that. And then for the conversations that were had after a loss to Ole Miss like that, the conversations that I heard, you could just tell that the week after that we were going to win a ball game, and we were sustaining that winning because of the conversations that happened in that locker room for that week. It wasn't this guy's fault, that guy's fault. It was everybody that came together. It was like, look, we know the capabilities of what this team can do, and let's all buy into what we believe in. Like this one game is not gonna, you know, tear us down from winning the rest of the games this season. This just showed what this team is capable of on, you know, the biggest scale. Patrick, your role I would say has changed pretty considerably from last year to this year. Not just what you're being asked to do on the field, but you're now a captain of this team. You were representing this team at conference media days. You, you have been now put center stage for this group, for this defense. What has the transition been like for you to not just really not just change how you've had to perform on the field, but what you've had to do, what you've brought as a leader off the field and in this locker room? I'm just trying to be a better leader every day, you know, trying to hold myself accountable and just hold the guys accountable. So, you know, it's been a bit of a journey. But 
I'm taking it well, you know. I kind of like it, you know, being a captain, just having to, you know, just work hard so, you know, you can't let anybody down or let the team down. So I just, you know, got to keep working. So we discussed this briefly before we started. Uh, once again, let's go around the room where you all prepped here in New Orleans. Lawrence? McDonald, 35, high school. Tyler? Holy Cross. Patrick? John Eric. Did any of you cross paths in high school days? Yeah, me and Pat played our spring. Um, it was a fall scrimmage. Fall scrimmage against so, each other. So you got so no one actually ever played a game nah, against each no, other. Yeah. Just a fall. What? How did the fall scrimmage go? It was good. I mean, nobody keeps score, but who kept? Someone I don't kept remember. Score. We, we kept, I don't I kept remember a mental score. I don't. What, what it was? It was definitely a lot to. You were lying. <laughs> Let's look it, it up. Definitely a lot to a little. You lying. The uh, the heated nature of high school rivalries in this city. How does it compare to, you know, you've all been in different college football environments and now you're all here at Tulane, but how does the, the New Orleans high school world compare to what you have seen in college football clashes over your years playing this sport? With me, honestly, I feel like high school is, like, when it comes to, like, the culture of fans, it's, like, way bigger than college. Like, just being here, like – when you have, like, a rivalry game versus, like, a big school, it's, like, fans, it starts from the 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 beginning of the week till it's time to play, like, all of it's after the game. And depending on what team wins or loses, the conversation goes on for, like, the rest of the year. So, like, it's consistent trash talk. Did, but Did y'all have a rivalry, though? Yeah, we had a rivalry. Who? We played St. Aug. That, that was, was a rivalry. rivalry. That won. was a rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, rivalries, you know, y'all going yeah, at it. St. Aug. Y'all used to beat them? Every year. Y'all beat him every year. No, I lost. I think I lost my senior year, but every other year than that, I won. Yeah. So when they had Fortnite, <laughs> yeah. Y'all won when they had Fortnite? Or was that your senior year? Man, he I, nah, I wasn't playing. You're too young. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't playing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. Uh, most heated rivalry games you remember in high school? I mean, Ooh. you mentioned – was St. Aug yours? Yeah, we played St. Aug, um, Warren Easton. Okay. And we got what? Shoddy's a Warren Shoddy, Eastern kid, yeah. right? Yeah. For Holy, it's Holy Cross for Jesuit. Like, so my junior or senior year, I think it was. It was the hundredth rivalry between us. And like, if you go to Holy Cross, you hate Jesuit, and if you go to Jesuit, you hate Holy Cross. So I mean, it's it's definitely a big rivalry. I mean, we were talking about it in the locker room the other day. I think for one of the games, some dude in the uh, lunchroom brought a goldfish to uh, school and ate the goldfish out of the bowl. A live goldfish? Yeah, on, on rivalry week. No, they go what crazy. does that serve? What what purpose does that bring? I have no clue, but... What is that person to. doing now? Do you know where this man is? Is he in prison? No. <laughs> For he eating actually, wildlife? He actually goes to LSU. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does he play there? No, no, Okay. No, no, no. Or does he eat wildlife in Baton Rouge? Yeah. Uh, Patrick, what's uh, arch rival? For I think I was like probably like Dexter had Dexter had a Hornville or something. We really didn't have a rival. Or probably Landry Walker. Yeah, we really didn't have like no big really rivalry game. Has anyone counted how many New Orleans high schools are represented on this Tulane football there's roster? A lot. Right now? There's a ton. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's a lot of Destrahan <clears throat> on here. You got Destrahan, Hornville. You got a lot. <laughs> uh, in the midst of a college football season, are 
what is the possibility that you guys, how much can you actually follow along with your high school, your alma maters here? Uh, Are you I, I able to sneak out to a game or two? On a, Probably not on a Friday. I just went to a game last week for my high school. So. Oh, the bye week probably yeah. got you a little bit of, mm-hmm. of an opportunity there. Yeah. What is it like to go back to your high school campus right now, now that you're playing here in town? I mean, it's a huge honor to um, just go back, you know, where you, where you, where things like first started off. Um, and just to like see those guys out there and just, you know, like just go down memory lane, just remember things, you know, that, you know, that you was, you was in, in their shoes, you know, and you can always go back and give those guys advice and talk to them. And I think that's that's just big for me. Tyler? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's awesome because, well, like, there's always, like, that, that one guy that comes back from college that, like, you always, like, damn, like, I, I hate that conversation he has to have with the team. Like, it goes by so fast. And, like, these are the best <laughs> days of your life and all that. And you're sitting there and, like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, you're not making any sense. Like, you're you're not telling the truth. And then you sit, like, how we're sitting right now, and I was like, dang, like, that really was just, well, like, yeah, some of the best times yeah, ever. Time. And, like, you get to go back, and you go sit at a game, or you just go back to the school, and you get those, like, weird feelings back again. It's like, man, I, I really do miss this, and I really wish, like, you would soak up everything when you are in high school. Pat, so. when was the last – you said you just went to a game yeah, last week. Well, just, what was that like? It's just crazy. I just think about all the memories and stuff. You looking at the field, thinking about all the plays you have made there. It's, I just get to think about all that, man. It's, it's a crazy experience. Can you three remember the first time you picked up a football? I can't. I can't. I can't. Do you remember the what made you fall in love with the game? Was it was it watching it? Was it playing it? Was it going to a game? So for for me, it was um. I grew up watching my brothers and my friends, like older guys. They used to play in front of our house um, in the street, actually. And I used to sit outside and just watch them. And one day I decided, I was like, you know, I'm bored. You know, I want to play. And they were like, you're too young. How old were you? Do you remember? I was young. I was like, I was like at least like 10, 11. Okay. What? I was young. No, matter of fact, I was younger than that. I was like. Seven. So, I was like seven. Take that, like seven, six. I was young, yeah. And they were like, I was a baby. Yeah, they were like older than me, and I was like, they were like, bro, you're too young to play with us. And I was like, nah. I was like, come on, let's go. Like, put me on the squad. So I ended up playing, and there were these other guys in our neighborhood that um, played for a park, and the coach used to come around and pick them up every day. And it was one day the coach saw us outside playing. He asked us what our age was, and I was like. No, I'm seven. He's like, you're interested in playing contact football? And I was like, nah. I said no the first time because I was like. Uh, it's understandable yeah. at seven. Yeah. I didn't really know. So my brother actually started playing before me, and I used to go to his games and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what, one day I'm you know, I'm just give it a chance, give it a shot. And I just hopped on a truck and just went to the park, and it just went off from there. Tyler, do you remember when this sport kind of latched into you? Yeah, so it's kind of weird for me because when I was younger, man, baseball was my life. Like, I loved travel baseball. And I did travel football, too. Like, I played football when I was younger. But it was I was just so much more devoted to my baseball when I was very young. Um, when I started getting middle school was really kind of when I started getting serious. And it was still at that point really kind of you're just playing having fun. Like, you're not really like, oh, I'm going to go play college football when you're in fifth and sixth grade. 
I think it was me going into my – it was in eighth grade going into, um, I guess it would be my freshman spring ball year. And I was I was like 5'9", or I was like 5'10", and I was 240 at that point. And so – You were 5'10", 240 in, in eighth grade? And yeah, in Heading eighth grade. Heading into ninth grade. Yeah, in, in eighth grade. That is stout. Exactly. <laughs> and so I went and talked to the defensive coordinator. I was like, look, I want to play linebacker. And he was like, "No, buddy, you're gonna have the you're gonna have your hand in the ground." And I was just so determined in my head. I was like, "Nah, like I'm playing linebacker." So it came spring ball time, and I guess he was like, "We're gonna find out if you really want to play linebacker or not." Why did. linebacker? Why did just you want? Just because I've always played I always played linebacker when I was younger. Okay. Well, and also the reason why I like linebackers because of Ray Lewis and all that. And that's why I love the number fifty-two. But so it was spring ball, and. They're like, look, we're going to find out if you really want to play linebacker. So it was Oklahoma drill, running back, 2D lineman, 2O lineman, and a linebacker. And his name was Landon Bates, and he was, I want to say, a junior at that time. And he was, you know, known around the school. And he was he was a great running back for us when we played there. But so they're like, we're going to find out if you really want to play. So they put him at running back, put me at linebacker. And we came in and met in the hole. And, I mean, it was a great collision. And, like, and ever since that point, like, dang, maybe he can play linebacker. And ever since that point, it was like, yeah, put him out linebacker. And that's when I kind of – my freshman year playing was like, this is what I really love. And, like, I can see myself doing something with this. Patrick, did you ever have any dreams of being linebacker or were you putting your hand in the ground all the time? <laughs> so, <clears throat> my first – I always wanted – I always knew I was a D-lineman at heart. So, my older brother has been played D-line too. So, like, mostly, I had two brothers. They both played D-line. So I kind of knew I was going to be a D lineman, but my true position is like running back. I'm, I'm for real. I, I'm nice with the ball. Really? Like, so I started playing football since I was probably like three years old. Like I have memories of me playing like throw up tackle three years old. Like it's crazy. Like, do do I think at least two of you in the back of your minds would like to be a running back in some capacity? Yeah. Lawrence gets to run with the ball quite a bit. <laughs> but but you, there's there's some desire in you two here to 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 carry the rock a little bit. Yeah, I mean if we get the chance. That was my first nice. position. Yeah, that was your first yeah. position was running back. Running back. When when did you eventually settle into D tackle? I say probably around eighth grade, seventh grade. I was playing linebacker. I wasn't good at all. So we made it to the championship game. I switched to D N that game. I went crazy. Angry, I would stay at the end. I went crazy. Patrick, how often? Uh, we're pretty far removed from it now, but are you pulled aside at all on campus about the safety? Do people still point you out and say, "Thanks for that, like <laughs> historic making moment in the Cotton Bowl"? Mm, not really, no more. Not really. It happened Last a year, lot after. Yeah, though. right after, but not not no more. I feel like people are just worrying about this season now. Lawrence, how many times were you uh, uh, talked about the massive block you threw for Jaquan in the conference? <clears throat> I heard about it a lot. I heard about it a lot, but, you know, time goes on. You know, everybody shift past a new year, new focus. Yeah, we're halfway through this year now. This team has created its own identity now, and Tyler's right in the middle of it. And now we, we enter homecoming here. And why you guys are sitting down with me here is because a lot of folks will be coming back this weekend. This game has been sold out for months uh, before school even started. This game was sold out. 
what will it be like, you know, uh, you know, you, you guys have experienced this place full in your time here already, but there's going to be a slightly different feel about this one here. A lot of people are coming back that haven't been back maybe since last homecoming or it's been years. What will it be like as three guys who grew up here who are now playing for the hometown team to run out to this field Saturday and look around and see 30,000 in green? It's going to be amazing, man. Homecoming week is just amazing. You just got to win the game. That's the goal, win the game. <laughs> I want to know. <clears throat> I mean, you guys listen to your coach quite a bit here. Yeah. That's that's good stuff right there because he always says that, you know, that the game is the centerpiece and a lot of people will be annoyed if it's a loss, right? Yeah. So now it's keeping this thing going, right? It's what Tyler talked about after the Ole Miss game. And now, and now look at where this team is yet again here halfway through the year. It's – it's ironic, isn't it? Because you two might remember when Tulane jumped into the polls last year, it was homecoming week. Back in the polls this year, and it's homecoming week. There's something about this week, huh, that just seems to work out. Something about this city, right, boys, that just brings people back and brings it all together, right? So with half of the season left, starting with Saturday against North Texas, what is, uh, what's the next step outside of 1-0? and I know I wanted – and, Lawrence, you're about to say 1-0 and again. <laughs> Outside of one and zero, the the next step for this team has this team played its best game yet? Not yet. Not yet. We got a lot of football left, and we haven't played it yet. But it's gonna come. We're, forgive me because I'm terrible with math. I have people do math for me. Were any of you born in '98? That's got to be a no, right? No. <laughs> you have any idea how big of a result that was last Friday in Memphis? By the way, there, there's a gener- you guys were not alive the last time Tulane won in that building. That's crazy. That's crazy. And, and so there's a box that was checked off the list for this team that last year couldn't accomplish, right? Didn't, didn't make it to Memphis. And now I uh, get to see a, a new team here this week and keep on going here down the list. And hopefully if things fall everything correctly here, first weekend of December yet again. Boys, uh, you all made the decision to come back here and what you guys have done for this team this year, last year, has been uh, irreplaceable. And so uh, something about this city that, uh, that brings folks back and what you three have done here uh, has been really, really special. This should be a fun week. The, and you guys came home, and now a lot of people are coming home. This should be a lot of fun this week, shouldn't it? So, yeah. Boys, thank you for the time. Go get them against North Texas. One and all, right? Yes, uh, yes, thank you, for having me. Appreciate it. If you have an orthopedic problem, Tulane has the answer. Whether you have a back problem, torn ligaments, worn out joints, a shoulder, elbow, hand, or wrist problem, the specialists at Tulane Orthopedics can provide the answer. Conveniently located at the Tulane Institute of Sports Medicine on the Uptown campus, at Tulane Lakeside Hospital, and at Sports Medicine Plus in Lakeview, your answer is just a call or click away. To schedule your appointment, call 504-988-0100 or go to orthotulane.com. Hey, Tulane fans, SeatGeek is now the official fan-to-fan ticket marketplace of the Tulane Green Wave. Whether you're buying or selling your football tickets, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, so Green Wave fans can fan. Hey, Oscar, Oscar, wake up. Hi, this is Otis and Oscar, the talking spokes oysters for Acme Oyster House. You've probably seen us on TV. My friend Oscar is, uh, sleeping. You know, we oysters like our beds. Anyway, drop by tonight for a dozen raw, a dozen char-grilled, 
a seafood platter or po'boy, and maybe a few laughs? Come at me, bro. Not you. Acme Oyster House. Life's more fun with seafood. Hey, Greenway fans, Tulane basketball season is right around the corner, and season tickets are on sale now. Tulane men's and women's basketball tips off on November 6th, and you won't want to miss out on any of the action inside Fogelman Arena and the Devlin Fieldhouse. Season tickets start at just $50 for women's basketball and $75 for men's basketball. So lock in your seats now for every home game this winter. Get your tickets today at TulaneTicks.com or by calling 504-861-WAVE. That's 504-861-9283. Roll Wave! Hey, Tulane fans, register your kids today for Riptide's Kids Club presented by Raising Cane's. Riptide's Kids Club is the official kids club of Tulane Athletics, and all children in sixth grade and under are eligible to join. For just $20, members receive free admission to over 40 Tulane athletic events, as well as a kids club shirt, activity book, Raising Cane's gift card, and access to exclusive members-only events and giveaways. Visit TulaneGreenWave.com slash kids club to register and become a part of Riptide's Kids Club presented by Raising Cane's, the official kids club of Tulane Athletics. This segment of The Current is brought to you by Capital One, proud partner of Tulane Athletics. What's in your wallet? Where was Coach Fritz in 1998, the last time Tulane football got a win in Memphis? Where were you in your coaching stops by that point? I was at the University of Central Missouri. We were, uh, uh, yeah, that's our, my second year, Central Missouri, and, and uh, had a pretty good year, went eight and three, and Kind of got that program turned, and but yeah, that was a couple of years ago. Who would have known when you were there at UCM and Tulane was going through that undefeated year that you would be here two and a half decades later and finally snap that streak, which has been it's been weighing on a lot of people's minds around Tulane. That streak in Memphis, and that was a wild night. That was it. That was one heck of a game, wasn't it? Yeah, really proud of our guys. You know, it was. Uh, it was a gut check game, you know. We, you know, we we got behind, and you know, behind twenty one ten, and and then we just kept battling back and making stops on defense. I, I thought we played really well in the kicking game. You know, Will Carroll punted the heck out of the ball. We we had pretty good coverage, other than one time on a on a kick return. Uh, you know, uh, Shedro Lewis really had some dynamic returns. Uh, gave us good starting field position. With, for our offense, uh, offensively, didn't turn the ball over, you know. And when you're not making, we weren't, we didn't have the explosive plays that we've had in the past. When you're not having explosive plays, you got to hang on the ball because you got to have, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven play drives, you know. And and uh, but it was just a really good overall team win with each phase helping us. It's it was tricky for me the last couple of days to kind of think back on that game and find the biggest turning point. Because it felt like there were just there were little moments that turned out to be big as the second half went along. But I feel like as you were kind of running through stuff, you might have hit on it. The the underrated Shedro Lewis kick return after Memphis got the eleven point lead and set to line up at midfield. Uh, you kind of look back now at that moment and say like, all right, maybe the, the Cam's interception or. or um, you know, Pratt finally, you know, plunging it in to make it a four-point game and Carter's catch right before that. But that kick return seems to kind of be the moment here when you kind of look back at how that second half unfolded really exemplifies just how big the special teams play was during the course of this game. No, it really did. I think that was huge. And uh, then we had a couple of third-down conversions that were really big for us that were long yardage conversions. Uh, you know, we had the high-low block. 
on, we were on the one, and they sent us back 15 yards, and then Chris Carter just had a phenomenal catch. And so there's a lot of big plays, and that's what happens when you you, you got to mount a comeback. You just don't know what phase it's going to be from and, and who from. The offensive production for you throughout this game – Michael, with with all conference honors, again, just able to kind of maneuver this offense downfield. And those short field drives took a while, but he was able to find the ways downfield to to make it happen. Mikai with another great game. But you're seeing more and more playmakers develop here. I thought we saw that Friday, uh, second straight game where Yul Key's been just awesome for you. And you mentioned Chris Carter. He had a couple of huge moments throughout this game. You're starting to see a, a lot more weapons develop here for this offense. And halfway through the year, it's exactly what you're looking for. No, it really is. You know, we're, we're getting some, we got some good depth at some positions, and, and we're utilizing it. And uh, I made the comment after the game's first time I've had this many guys who can really do a good job of speed sweeps. You know, we got some yes. great speed on the perimeter. And Yul Keith, you know, Lawrence Keys, Quan, uh, uh, you know, those guys have got tremendous speed. And, and uh, you get them out on the perimeter, they're going to they're gonna not have to fake people out. They just outrun leverage. And the ability for one-ear receivers to win the one-on-one battles brings us to Chris Brazel. Three grabs, 103 yards for him. Uh, his developments and becoming that matchup guy, the go-up-and-get-it guy when you know he's going to be kind of down the seam there and needing to beat out a corner or a safety for those jump balls, he really showed that for you. Yeah, he really did. Uh, those are three tough catches, and, you know, they should have had a fourth. I don't know what happened there, but they called him for offensive pass interference. I've, I've watched that about ten times, having a hard time hmm. seeing it. I thought it was two guys competing for the ball, but – yeah, Chris really did a nice job out there and and um, you know, playing a lot of snaps for us. And you know, He's a dynamic receiver. He's got great speed. He gets in and out of his breaks well, but he does all that. And he's, you know, he's tall. He's, you know, 6'3". And, and uh, you know, it's, it's uh, those uh, kind of guys we've had a difficult time, you know, having around here. And, and uh, he's a tremendous compliment to, you know, those, uh, you know, Quan and, and uh, Lawrence. There's a heck of a back shoulder, you know, fade that uh, Lawrence had on the goal line. Great, great throw by Michael, and you know, a couple big third down conversions with Quan, and you know, so we we got a lot of weapons out on the perimeter. How similar is Chris Brazel the second to Chris Brazel the first? There's some similarities, you know. His dad uh, not quite as tall, uh, great speed, great jumping ability. I believe he's a 50 foot triple jumper coming out of high school, and. Uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, obviously a great player, drafted, played in the NFL, played, had a long career in the CFL uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, he, he's got, you know, he's got some good genes. <laughs> <laughs> and mom, you- his mom was, uh, I think, one time she was the all-time leading scorer at uh, Angelo State. You know, so uh, he's got some very good genes. So Chris the second might be the third best athletic member of that family from what you're saying here. You mentioned it was a gut check game on the road in that building. It seems like the gut check had to be on the defensive side. There there was a 10-minute stretch, last five of the second quarter, first five of the third quarter, which Memphis was really in their rhythm. We know they have that offensive capability, that firepower, and they found it there across halftime. What was the biggest change you noticed from your defense that allowed them to stabilize and allow that comeback to happen? I thought we did a better job with rush lanes. 
you know, not letting the quarterback get out of the pocket. That helped us out a bunch. <laughs> Stayed over the top. You know, but we got a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you know, by the time second half was getting going, they were kind of done with the run game. Mm-hmm. We'd kind of shut that out, and then we started doing getting a handle on the on their pass game. The importance of making a team one-dimensional, it can just kind of go easily stated and then brushed away. But what your group has done against opposing running games this year is not a coincidence now. It is a very big throughput of how your defense succeeds and making a good thrower in Seth Hennigan uh, uncomfortable because he knows that there's not a running game that he can turn to there. He has to force the ball downfield. Just the way that this defense is able to close out one half of an opposing offense, how critical is that to this team now being 5-1? and one? Oh, it's very, very important. Uh, you know, we, we want to stop people from running the football. You're right. When you make them one-dimensional, there's a lot of things you can – you can do as far as pressure is concerned with games up front, second level blitzes, corner blitzes, and and I've, I've uh, Coach Wood and the defensive staff, you know they've done a good job game planning and and uh, you know they're, they're, we, we kind of weathered the storm, you know that you know when you play a team and they've had you know a couple weeks to prepare, you're going to see some new stuff, and uh, you know they did a good job with that, uh, but. Uh, you know, and then I think the tackling, we weren't real crisp early. And sometimes that happens when you haven't played a game for a couple of weeks. Sure. But uh, we, we got into rhythm and really played well down the stretch. I think it's been easy to maybe overstate just what that victory means. But, I mean, there, there were a lot of things surrounding that game and the Friday night national stage and where these two teams are halfway through the year with the, the eight-game losing streak in that building heading into that one. But when push comes to shove, if if your team does what they are seeking to do the rest of the year here, we, we could very well be looking back at this game, right, and, and, and determining a lot of things down the stretch of November, just going on the road against a team of that quality and knowing what this could mean, it's it's hard to really understate just what this could be. No, you're right. It was a big win for us, without question. But, you know, we we flipped the page. The thing that was good was a Friday night game. We, we took Saturday and Sunday off, kind of took a deep breath, and now we're, you know, ready for the stretch run and getting back into that 1-0 mode every week and, you know, there's not going to be any time off. You know, it's it's go time. There's a, a weird bit of coincidence as we head into this week uh, to what we saw last year, heading into homecoming and Tulane's back in the rankings. This happened last year. This was the first week ranked for Tulane, and it was homecoming week. And now here Tulane is back in the AP poll. By this point, is is having that number next to the name of your program um, is that noteworthy for you, or is this something that now with where you are and where this program seeks to be, this is expected for you? You know you're one of the best teams in the country. That number just solidifies that. No, it's noteworthy for us. You know, uh, someone sent something out about first time Tulane had started this way since 32 and 33. That's mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, so I told the guys, you know, they, they ought to be proud of the fact that we're, you know, one of the top programs in the country, and but uh, that doesn't stop us from wanting to go one and zero, and and uh, you know we had a battle back to get to this point, and we we've done that.
but uh, we, we want to keep battling every single week and playing the very best we can. I, I still think there's a lot of room for improvement. Offense, defense, special teams, there's a lot of things we can do. Um, you know, we're just uh, working towards accomplishing those goals. What is it about your group that you can put your finger on about how they've been playing on the road going back to last year? I mean, can you put anything quantifiable on this or just the fact that you have a really smart, talented, resilient bunch that even when you're down double digits in the second on the road, they still stay in their lanes and they know what they need to do to win? Well, you know, one of the great things about Tulane is, uh, you know, we got a little smarter guy (laughs) and we can, you know, they, they look at things and they, they listen and they execute and, and uh, you know, we, we try to keep our schedule identical regardless whether we're on the road or at home. Uh, preparation, we, we talk about how important preparation is during the week and then flipping the switch when, we, when the game begins and turning it loose. And uh, I thought our guys did it, uh, you know, I haven't put in a whole lot of thought into it. It's, it's just, uh, you know, plus, well, you know, I, I made the comment after the game, we got better Jimmys and Joes, you know. Those guys are doing a good job going out there and executing and playing. And, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I like the way they answered the challenge, you know, in the game against uh, Memphis. That was, you know, we're down and and uh, they answered the challenge and came right back and, and I think everybody on the sideline felt like we were going to win. The now two weeks in a row in which your team has had to rally from a halftime deficit. UAB had a, a lead going into the break as well. We talked about this last week, but I'll bring it up again because Friday is just a, another example of it. Your team's winning games in a lot of different ways. They, they're leading from in front. They're leading. They're coming back to to win games. You stop the pass game, well, there's Mikai Hughes. You stop the running game, well, there's Michael going downfield with all his big play targets. His defense has stopped a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. Special teams had their day on Friday night. There's so many ways your team can win games. In the first six games of the year, we have seen that. Well, we, we always talk about playing comp- complementary football. Sometimes you got to figure out what what do you do best. Maybe what do you don't what, what don't you do well and and. Uh, you know, but, it, you know, sometimes it's got to be the offense, sometimes the defense, sometimes special teams. But, uh, you know, if, if you're only good on in one phase of football, you're, you're probably going to have a tough chance, time being successful. And uh, we're fortunate that we got, you know, good players sprinkled throughout our roster, offense, defense, and special teams. And, you know, you need, need each phase at, at some point during the season and at some point during games. Let's talk a little bit about North Texas here, Coach. You are in the, the early stages of looking at Eric Morris's team. This is another new team in the league and another new coach in this league. Uh, and, and what Coach Morris has done with this offense is notable. They're averaging nearly 36 points a game. They're coming off a pretty comfortable win over Temple over the weekend. When you look at this mean green offense specifically, what really stands out to you? Well, they, they they change tempos and go fast all the time. They got a dual threat quarterback. You know, he wasn't starting early in the year, and and now he's starting. He's a transfer kid from uh, uh, Louisiana Monroe, and uh, he's really caught fire. They got good receivers on the outside. Uh, you know, they run the ball well enough. You got to respect it. Uh, so, just a really well balanced offense. 
and they will get kind of the next shot here at what you guys are going for again. And it seems like they're finding their footing a little bit halfway through the year. Homecoming always brings a little bit extra here, maybe not necessarily within your locker room, but certainly around this campus. This game has been sold out for months. It was sold out in the summer. Uh, the weather looks to be beautiful. The, it's going to be full of green here. Even if North Texas brings some folks, it's going to be full of green. That's just what's going to happen here in this matchup. But uh, a day like what's about to happen here on Saturday, uh, you can't, uh, you got to cherish these days, right? Because these are what the stadium was built for. This is what you built this program for. There's going to be 30,000 people just crowding Yeoman Stadium here on a beautiful Saturday afternoon on homecoming and a chance to do something really special. You bet. I I'd do my speech again. I had some people call me yesterday for tickets and told me it was sold out. And they said they just needed one. I said, it's sold out. Well, I just need one ticket. It's sold out. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. I don't have any tickets. Uh, so don't call me. I don't, I don't have any tickets. But uh, that's great. We, we you know, always want that and, and – uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think it'll be great for the alums to come back. And, but like I told our players, you know, there's a lot of activities that are involved with homecoming. But the number one activity is the football game on Saturday and the home team win it. So that's what we got to focus on. And I know you're very much driving in towards this game, but let me just stay this and, and you can piggyback if you like. There are two home games left after this game, November 11th, November 24th. Those could be very big. Fans missing out on this game. Two more opportunities, go get those because this team is in the makings of doing something really good again this year. Well, it's, I, I always sell the stadium. Yulman Stadium is a great stadium. I mean, it's every seat is a perfect seat. I've I've been all over the stadium watching high school games. I kind of purposely go to different uh, sections and sit and watch and all those kind of things. I mean, it's just it's a beautiful stadium. It's a perfect place to watch a game and and. Uh, and if you haven't been here before, you're not going to be able to come this this weekend. Going to be your first time. It's sold out. But you know, if you come here and you watch a game, I think you'll be hooked. I've I've talked to more people who have said, you know, something. This is I don't have to drive a distance to get here. You know, or, or you know, it's not hard to get in. It's you know, every great sight lines and. Uh, you know, like I always say, $3 beers. <laughs> and, and and on top of that, what we have seen from the Tulane students yeah. coming out to oh, the first. Oh, they've been awesome. I've been so uh, pumped. It's, uh, you know, they, they're they're out here early and, you know. and <laughs> Fighting to get so, in, yeah. Well, it's, it's great, you know. Most places you got, you know, 8,000 students and you're giving 5,000 to the students. That's pretty good. But we're having more than five wanting to come, and that's where the – competition lies so uh hopefully they all get a chance to to get in on on saturday and and uh that's awesome you know we probably we probably have a higher percentage of students that we get into the game than most people in the nation and the environment that that creates and what it's created oh, it's this great, year it's it's it's, it's insanity at times <laughs> well our, our kids love it they they love you know coming out and you know shoot we come out an hour before the game and Heck, there's three or four thousand of them already out here in their seats, ready to go. So it's it's uh, you know what you what you dream of. Coach, homecoming is here. A lot of folks are coming back, and your team is riding high right now. It has the recipe for being something really, really fun this Saturday. Should be very entertaining. You betcha. Thank you very much. Roll wave.
This summer, Coors Light wants you to retire, even if it's only temporary. Take a break from your nine to five for nine holes of golf. Trade those spreadsheets for a bingo card. Or swap your office chair for a water aerobics floaty. This summer, welcome to temporary retirement. Coors Light, made to chill. Copyright 2023 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, Louisiana, hit your way to winnings with Blackjack from the Louisiana Lottery. You could win up to $2,100. Take a walk on the wild side. Play Wild Tins, where you could win up to $14,000. Wish upon a star. Play Bonus Star Bonanza. Top prize is a star-studded $30,000. Pick up all three tickets today. The Louisiana Lottery, giving you a reason to smile. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Tulane fans, join us on Saturday, November 11th as Greenway Football takes on Tulsa in an American Athletic Conference showdown. It's Military Appreciation Day at Yeoman Stadium with active duty military and veterans getting tickets through Vet Ticks. And the first 2,500 fans will get a free black camouflage hat. Tickets are available now at TulaneTicks.com or by calling 504-861-WAVE. That's 504-861-9283. Don't miss Tulane football as they host Tulsa on Saturday, November 11th. Roll Wave! Each day at Brian Subaru, our job is simple. We match up our Subaru customers with the Subaru they love. At Brian Subaru, we know all members of your family, including your beloved pets, have a say-so in the process. For a wonderful sales experience, come in to Brian Subaru. We consistently have great financing opportunities every month on all models in stock. Brian Subaru, 8305 Airline Drive in Metairie or briansubaru.com. Family, Subarus, and love. That's Brian Subaru. From the Crescent City of New Orleans, up to the North Shore, down to the Bayou, and all around the world, Tulane football is on the air. Tonight, the Friday night lights are shining bright in the Bluff City for this crucial conference clash as the 4-1 Tulane Greenway visit the 4-1 Memphis Tigers. Both teams 1-0 in the American. Two receivers left just outside the hash marks, and a pitch going to Watson, running left side, looking for a block, doesn't get it. Cam Pettisclo says nothing doing here, stops and right at the line of scrimmage. A little pitch play on what looked to be an option route there. And Watson, the tailback, who leads the conference in all-purpose yards, didn't find the seam. Memphis on the year, 37% on third down. That's 10th in the American. Tulane allows just 32%. Pressure coming. Hennigan just throws it into the ground with nothing but white shirts around him. Way back in the backfield towards the 30. Credit Patrick Jenkins with that initial hurry there, Steve, and then had a whole bunch of friends. Nothing doing there on third down in Memphis punts. Yeah, honorary captain Eric Hicks was also putting the pressure on, and that's what happens when you get to him. As Hennigan does look to throw, four-man rush, lobs it right sideline, there's no one there, a diving interception attempt, did he hang on? Yes, he did! Wow! Picks off Seth Hennigan, a diving pick by Lance Robinson at the 28, and Tulane has the first turnover of the night. Five-man rush for the Tigers, Pratt lobbing deep left sideline, Brazel has a step, spins around, makes the grab at the Memphis 45, and tumbles out of bounds at the 40. He was able to slide past Cameron Smith, the safety. Chris Brazel gets the big play hookup from Michael Pratt, and the first Capital One first down of the night. Now a two-back set coming, looks like the I-4 Formation will be thrust back into play here for Slade Nagel in the two-lane offense. Approaching four minutes to go, first quarter, first down and goal at the two. Pratt under center, keys the lone receiver on the numbers right. And the give, up the middle, touchdown, Mekhi Hughes. 
Seas parted right in front of the redshirt freshman. Very little resistance on that plunge up the middle from two yards away. And Tulane strikes first in Memphis. And we talked about Hughes needing to have a big game, being called or designated the number one running back, and that time he delivers on a touchdown. 20 seconds left here in the first quarter. Tulane will have to snap it here with a play clock and game clock separated by two. Carroll gets another deep punt away. Drake backpedaling to his nine-yard line, trying to find some space left side, and he is ripped down back at the seven. Will Carroll with a bomb, 57 yards, and DJ Douglas sits down Drake with six seconds to go here in this first quarter. We talked about special teams. Punt and kick coverage is going to be a big part of Tulane's success tonight, and that time they did an excellent job. And again with Sutton Smith to his left, single receiver on the numbers left, two receivers split out between the hash and the numbers right. Tulane putting six in the box here including Tyler Grubbs, who only played one drive two weeks ago with a quad injury. Pressure comes, and again, throwing deep ball right sideline, and it's incomplete. Pressure just coming right up the gut with no resistance. Say hello to Patrick Jenkins again. Tulane's going to keep the offense on the field. The Memphis 41 at fourth down in three. The Green Wave five for nine on fourth downs this year. Memphis has allowed just two. Play clock to five. Bauman in motion, right to left, snap to Pratt. Four-man rush, here it comes, over the middle, and it's caught! First down, up to the 37-yard line. Jaquan Jackson was able to just pry it away. DJ Bell was right there, and Jackson just snared it out of there. Got four, and it's a Capital One first down and a hold-your-breath moment. His Cameron Smith was there as well and nearly picked that one off. Yeah, that was a great catch by Jackson. He just showed tremendous concentration and strong, strong hands well, to make that grab. Would love to see the exit velo on that from Michael as well. Now it's third down in nine at the Memphis 22. Trips receivers left. Shotgun snap. Pratt dancing around, takes it himself, slips free, diving over the 15, spins around, has the first down, still going down to the 10. And that's what makes Michael Pratt so dangerous is his running ability. He just did a great job that time. He felt that no one was going to be open, and as the pressure started to get to him, he saw some daylight on the right side took off and made the first. A thousand points for Michael Pratt, whose line is it anyway continues after this. And now a chip shot field goal attempt here for Ambrosio. This will be a 26 yarder from the right hash. The righty fifth year guy from New Jersey. Snap, spot down, nearly blocked off the right side, but Ambrosio bangs it through. And with 8-11 to play here in this first half, Tulane builds on their lead. It is now 10-0 Tulane. Kickoff underway. Lewis at the 3. Turns up the hash left to the 25, to the 30. Trying to find the left sideline of the 35. Cuts back up the middle of the 40. And snowed under at the 45. Needed a little bit of a spark. Maybe that's it from Shedro Lewis. He has a big-time return there. He's going to rip off 42 yards on that kick return and give Tulane good field position to start their first drive of the half. Two left, one right. That's Brazel on the number, soloed up with some space. Michael looking to throw over the middle. Man, wide open. It's Carter, but it's a high throw. He has to jump up and grab it. Comes down at the one. There was no one in the same zip code as Chris Carter, and that ball's got to be a little bit better for Michael Pratt. Boy, it is. It's just a little about eight inches shorter, and it's a touchdown. Now Pratt under center, second to go at the one, tries to take it himself. 
across the goal line. No he, signal yet. He's in. Touchdown to Lane. A needed answer here for the Greenway with 4.32 left in the third quarter. They cut it to a one-score margin. It's 21 to 16. On second down and five, Hennigan steps up in the pocket. Pressure comes, and he's tracked down as he tries to race back to the line of scrimmage. He cannot. It's Patrick Jenkins coming on in. First time that Tulane has really been able to crash into the backfield and get to the Memphis quarterback since early on in the game. Right. Firing deep ball left side, looking for Brazel. He's got it at the 40. Beat DJ Bell right down the numbers. He is taken down at the 36. Big play yet again to number 17. Empty the backfield on third down and 12. The Greenway 5 for 11 on third downs against one of the stingiest third down defenses in the nation. Shoddy Clayton Johnson in, and he motions into the backfield. Two receivers left, tight end left. Brazel soloed up right. Snap. Michael setting, looking, firing deep over the middle, and it's caught by Brown. First down at the 20, dodge the tackle, down the sideline, staying in, leaps forward to the 10 and down to the 9. Yul Keith Brown with a big play on third down, great moves downfield, first and goal. Yeah, but we made that happen. Let's give all the credit to the offensive line. They just kept Michael Pratt clean That's until the third he... Quarter. They kept him clean until Brown had enough time to find the open space over the middle, and Pratt delivers another perfect strike. And Tulane is set up to take the lead as we move to the fourth quarter in Memphis. And now moving from right to left, ball on the right hash. First and goal, two tight ends, one to either side of the line. That's Bauman on the left, Brown on the right. Yul Keith Brown in motion right to left, gets the jet sweep handoff. Off the left side, turns up field to 10, to the 5. Dice for the pylon, did he get there? Touchdown! Five seconds into the fourth quarter, Yo-Keith Brown again on the sweep. His second week in a row with a touchdown, and Tulane reclaims the lead here in Memphis. Motion man Lane fear the tight end, stops left. Hennigan rolling left, looking to throw downfield, lobs it to the sideline where it is intercepted. Wow. It's intercepted. <laughs> wow. Cam Pettisclow. First down, Tulane. How? He jumped up, grabbed it, and kept his feet in bounds for a crazy acrobatic pick. Cam Pettisclow with his first as a green wave and the second turnover of the night for the two-lane defense. What a time for it. It was a great time to have, to have that happen because the momentum looked like it was going right back to Memphis on their first couple of plays. Two tight ends, one to either side. Two wide receivers just inside the hash mark left. Hughes to the right hip of Pratt. Second down and seven. Five-man rush. Check it down over the middle. Finds Carter. Turns up field to 20. Dives over a tackler. And down he goes to the 11-yard line. And once again, Michael Pratt takes a vicious hit. But he hung in there long enough to get it open to an open receiver. How about Chris Carter coming up with some big unheralded moments here in the second half. He gets a Capital One first down pickup. And he moves it to the Memphis 11-yard line in the red zone again. Brought to you by Coors Light. Pratt looking. Left side of the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! Lawrence Keys! What a shot by Michael Pratt. It's a back shoulder fade, and it's run perfectly. A fastball from Michael Pratt. Finds Keys from 11 yards away. Lawrence's fifth touchdown of the season. 
And Tulane starting to seize this game back here in the second half. It is now 30-21. to 21. Two receivers stack on the numbers right now. Blankham C will orbit into the backfield. And now will orbit back out to the right. Hannigan fakes his direction. He's closed down and down he goes. All the way back to the 44. And boy, Hannigan is really slow getting up. He felt that one. I felt that one. A loss of nine on the sack. Give Darius Hodges the credit, and now that pulls him into sixth all-time with 15-and-a-half career sacks. Now third and 14 at the 44. Hennigan steps up, throwing right sideline, and it's tipped up in the air and incomplete. Intended for Rock Taylor and Cam Pettisglow. Bats it out of the sky. Third down and six at the two-lane 29. Snap. Pressure comes from the backside. Down he goes! Back at the 41, Patrick Jenkins again. Wow, <laughs> what a big, big sack. And timeout, Tigers. Memphis, that is their first charge timeout. It'll be 30 seconds. And guess what? I said it was Jenkins, Darius Hodges. It's him again, his second sack of the night. He's up to 16 and a half in his wave career. That's now top five all time. And this year, he's got five and a half. Just don't let anybody get behind the umbrella. Split out four receivers for the Tigers. Smith in the backfield. There's the snap to Hennigan on fourth and 18. Three-man rush nearly gets there. Firing deep ball to the end zone right side. It is knocked down. Lance Robinson. Bats it away. Tulane gets it back. And with 111 to go, get that monkey off the back, baby. Tulane's going to finally get one done here in the Liberty Bowl. Friday the 13th. Who cares? Lucky charm this year, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, the, there's one of the receivers from Memphis is just getting back to the line of scrimmage, and they're going to have to have to call a timeout. There's no timeout to call. There we go. It's over. I'm, the excuse clock me. has hit zeros, and guess what? For the first time in a generation, Tulane has come to the Liberty Bowl and walked out with a W. Eight-game losing streak here in the Grind City is over, and that was a grind of a victory. And just in case folks around the American were wondering, the conference midway through this year is still going through New Orleans. Statement loudly made here in West Tennessee tonight as Tulane roars back in the second half to beat Memphis 31-21. Mackay is becoming a regular now here on the post-game show. We talked to you after a buck 23 two weeks ago, a buck 30 tonight. You just keep setting new marks for yourself here tonight. A touchdown early on in this game. Take me through the chaos of this one and your part in getting this team a come-from-behind win on the road. Uh, we just uh, think about the key driving the ball. O-line did good. Uh, receivers uh, made good plays. But good, like big things for the O-line, like just keep pushing and getting gain yards. The offensive line 
kind of got banged up throughout the course of the game there. Josh kept coming in and out there. You had Chadre getting a start again here. But the way that this group kept pushing forward here and really started to wear down the Memphis front four here, that opens up so much for you, opens so much up for Michael here to find some guys downfield. They're the key to it all, aren't they? Uh, yeah, uh, we just know that what play Cornet called good plays. Yeah. Uh, Ola, you know, this key locked in. Uh, we know that we watch film. Like, which play we going to do on them? They're a good front, good front team, but I owe a lot of push. I just keep pushing, keep keep getting yards for, uh, for me. And I'll be thanks to the old line. As Mikai gets handed a burrito here in our post-game interview. <laughs> like that, that's, what winner, that's what winners get right there after 130 and a touchdown here. Everyone knew that this game had a lot of hype around it. It was hard to avoid that the Friday night national stage, two four and one teams, two high quality teams. What does it say about your team to come out of here with a win, a place that this program hasn't won in 25 years? Uh, we just, we just, it's, it's a blessing for real. Uh, we just know that at the halftime, second half, we know we got to finish, finish the full quarter. That's what we did. We finished and we fight. The resiliency of this team, right? It had come from behind two weeks ago, come from behind with fifth or 25 minutes left in this one. And it was everybody, right? It, you with 130 is going to stand up, but there were so many contributors on a night like tonight, offense, defense, special teams. This was a true top to bottom team win, wasn't it? There you are at the top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but big thanks to the D line. I mean, defense. Uh, they came. Couple picks. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, hey, defense. They came. Shut out. Came back. Uh, they fight in the second half, and that was you know defense win games. So all thanks to the defense and O line. You know all, all the offense, which is like just keep us again yards, get uh, complete passes. Michael Pratt did good. The receivers did good. O line did good protection, and you know we studied films like get prepared for them, and it was a good game. But we, we finished and we fight. How much fun is next Saturday in a sold-out Yeoman Stadium going to be on homecoming after a win like tonight? Hey, we'll celebrate tonight and next week. Get busy, but it's going to be fun, like very fun because it's homecoming and it'll be packed, so we're ready for it. Makai, one hell of an effort yet again for you, bud. Congrats on the win. Go have a fun player night, all right? Thank you. Darius, a couple of sacks for you here tonight. Let's go through the last one. A third down when Memphis is in desperation mode and you are there to get to Hennigan. Take me through that play, maybe the biggest stop of the game. So, you know, you know, it's, it was a late situation. I know that we had to finish the game out. I was preaching to our D-line, you know, we got to finish. You know, they can still come back. You know, we had a lead on it and just keep that same type of mentality that we need to keep attacking. And we seen that the O-line was high, so we took advantage of it. Uh, you know, we hawked it up and called out our defensive plan. You know, we executed. And I think as a D-line, we played, we played damn good today. So you had two sacks tonight. That now puts you top five in two-lane history in career sacks with 15 and a half. There have been a lot of incredible pass rushers to come through this program. What does it mean to you to now that you're going to be sitting near the top and you have all you can you have more people to catch here throughout the course of the year? But there you are in the top five of this program's history. I think that this is a credit to the coaching that's been going on and a big praise to Coach Fritz and our D line. You know, they have they have helped me flourish and you know mature in a lot of ways. I needed maturity to even get to you know to get to this. So I'm, I'm thankful for them. I, I think that they should get the congratulations for this. This was a battle, Darius. They, they jump out to an 11-point lead with 10 minutes to go in the third, and then there this team is to pull off 21 straight and grab a win here. And I'm not sure you were alive when the last time Tulane football won a game here was in 1998. I doubt you were. So 
to come in here in a game that had this much excitement to it, anticipation to it against a team like this, and to come from behind from a win, what does it say about this group? How resilient is this team? I think it speaks for the maturity in the group and, you know, and the guys that we brought in buy into our system that we have. And we have a lot of guys that have battled in games that we have played in where things haven't always gone wrong, going right. Momentum shift is momentum's going to shift between games. Which, which best team make fix the mistakes they have and make the corrections and execute the corrections. You were here at the end of the 2022 season in this building. That game is the last time this team's lost away from New Orleans. What is it about the change that you've seen from this program from two years ago to last year and now coming in here this year and getting a win like this? Believing in Coach Fritz's plan. Coach Fritz's plan, you know, has brought this team to, to things we could never imagine, just believing in the, the, the buying into what we're preaching here. And I think that, you know, after, after a while it, it, started to, it started to kick in and we can do it as long as we do everything together. So, Darius, how much fun is a sold-out Yeoman Stadium on homecoming going to be next Saturday against North Texas after a night like tonight? I would love, I would love, I would preach to the fans, please come to the game. It's please. been sold out for months, bud. It's, it's been sold out. It's, okay, it's going to so be 30 grand. 30 grand. That's, that's going to be nice, man. That's I, we, we love to see Yeoman packed out. You know, that's something that it gets us as players because we can see how the fans are buying into what we're doing in here, and I think that, that plays a big part in how we play. Darius, you had one hell of a night, made the biggest stop of the game in the waning minutes of this one, and now you are top five in this program's history and career sacks with a ton of more games and ton of more pressures coming. Darius, congrats to you. Congrats on this team on one hell of a win. We'll see you next week against North Texas. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Keith, we talked to you before the game. It's like we knew you were going to have a couple of big moments here in this one. This was a heck of a game. This was a grind of a game for this group, wasn't it? What led the comeback here that you think, down by 11 with 10 minutes left in the third, what led this team come from behind a win? Uh, honestly, we, we knew it was going to be a battle coming in, but honestly, when we were just winning halftime, we all knew, like, you know, everybody going to make mistakes, everybody going to play good. You know, the other team, they on scholarship too, but we just knew – Wherever, however this game go, we not quitting to the end, and that's what all it took. No fight, no giving up. We just all went all in. And near the end of the third quarter, down by four, third and twelve, and there you are with a twenty-nine yard gain, tiptoeing down the sideline, running all over the field. Then you flip to the start of the fourth quarter, and there's you on another sweep for a touchdown. You had two of the biggest plays of this game around a quarter break there. Take me through those two plays that allowed this team to have a lead that they wouldn't get rid of. Uh, honestly, on that third down, it was like we knew the play call, and I just seen it was man. So I'm like, if I beat this guy across his face, I could get the ball. And once I beat him, I seen Pratt was on me down. I'm like, oh, yeah. So once he threw it, it was just like, I ain't going to lie, it was like magic. Once he threw it, I just did the rest. And then on that jet sweep, Right before, like you, like you said, it was fourth quarter coming in, so we got time to huddle up, talk about it. And just guys in the huddle saying, like, we're going to get this ball in the end zone no matter what play we call. And Lawrence Keys again with the touchdown block on that edge. He set the edge, and all I had to do was run. The way that this offense seemed to flip it back on early on in the third quarter there, after Memphis had their push, and you knew that they were going to have a push here, what was it about this offense where you just seemed to all laser back in to pull off this comeback? Honestly, just staying focused, just staying poised. We all we knew since the first half everything was open that we wanted. We just had to execute, and that's all. It was the biggest thing, just execution, execution. And we all said every time we got in the huddle, it's time to execute. This is the draw to execute, and that's what we went out there and did. Everyone kind of knew what this game could be, national stage on a Friday night, two high-quality teams going at it. What does a win tonight say about your team? 
My team, we love to win, we, and we want it more than anybody, I feel like. That's exactly why I came here. I felt the team energy before I even got here. We all buy in on one thing. Coach Fritz made sure we, we all want to win. That's why he got us all here, and we do just that every week. Yo, Keith, you're fitting in like a glove here now, aren't you, with this group? Congratulations on another whale of a night. Two huge moments in the second half to get this team a win. Go have fun on the plane ride. Appreciate you. It is homecoming weekend, so let's take a look around what's going on here in Uptown. It's brought to you by Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Game day taste you can't beat. Homecoming game, Saturday against North Texas. This game has been sold out for months. So if you haven't gotten tickets yet, well, you're stuck with us on the two-lane sports network from Learfield for this bad boy. 1.30 the airtime, 104.1 the spot in New Orleans worldwide on the two-lane athletics and varsity network apps and Sirius XM channel 391. Two home games remain after this one, November the 11th against Tulsa and November the 24th against UTSA. Get your tickets for both of those at TulaneTix.com. Next Saturday, Tulane is back on the road visiting the Rice Owls. That has been slated for a 3 o'clock kickoff from Houston. A lot happening this weekend outside of the homecoming game for you to enjoy. Beach Volleyball has the NCAA Pairs Tournament out at Coconut Beach in Kenner this Saturday and Sunday. Beach is coming off a very good start to their year last weekend in Elmwood in the Tulane Invitational. And Women's Sailing is home for the Baldwin Fleet Races Saturday and Sunday. That is free of charge to go see up at the New Orleans Yacht Club. Co-ed team is up in Maryland for the ACC Finals this weekend. Also on the road, men's tennis is out in Lafayette for the Cajun Classic. That begins on Friday. Friday, the Indoor Volleyball Club has a doubleheader with UTSA Friday and Saturday from San Antonio. And Sunday, golf begins the Jim West Invitational out in San Marcos, Texas. We are less than three weeks away from Tulane basketball. Why have you not picked up your season tickets yet? Seriously, why not? What are you doing? Stop dilly-dallying, folks. Women's basketball packages start at $50. Men's basketball packages start at $75. TulaneTix.com, that's where to go. So stop delaying, you silly goose. Home doubleheader tips off the season on Monday, November the 6th. And your first chance to see Tulane basketball in person comes your way Tuesday, October the 24th. It's the second annual Hoops Hullabaloo. See Tulane men's and women's basketball and skills competitions, three-point shootout dunk contest. One student's going to have a chance to win $10,000. It's going to be a very fun night. It is free of charge. Admission costs you nothing. The doors open at 6.30, and it all begins 7 o'clock, the Hoops Hullabaloo, on Tuesday, October 24th. That'll do it for this week's show. My thanks to Lawrence Keyes, Tyler Grubbs, Patrick Jenkins, and Willie Fritz for joining this week. The Current, presented by Brian Subaru, was also brought to you Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana. For life's moments big and small, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is always there. The right card, the right kick. And by Children's Hospital of New Orleans, the health experts for kids. The Current, presented by Brian Subaru, was a production of the Tulane Sports Network from Learfield. Until next time, I'm Corey Glore, and as always, roll.